Family Church Podcast, a fun, sometimes intellectual conversation about the church and the comings and goings of the congregation here at Living Word. I'm the man behind the board and one of your hosts, Zach Bensel. Joining me today, as always, is head pastor of Living Word Family Church, Pastor Scott Millis. Hey, everybody. And we have a special guest for you today, guys, the president and founder of Mutual Faith Ministries and guest speaker, Keith Hershey. Hello, friends. Delighted to be here with everybody. Good to have you here. Thank you. What a joy. Looking forward to this. You know, uh, when I contacted you uh, months ago trying to get the... And by by the way, you were part (laughs) of uh, history being made as far as the ministry of Scott Millis. Normally, it's very much, I don't know who's preaching at my church, you know, so as far as guest speakers, that far in advance, but I just made a decision, you know what, I'm going to get this stuff nailed down. And part of it is because, you know, people are calling in, hey, wait, what about this? What about this? And it's nice to say, you know what, we've got our speakers scheduled. And it's been on my heart for uh, the last several years. You know, we support several ministries, several missionaries, and it's like, uh, I really want our congregation to make sure... They know them. I want yes. to to rekindle these connections, and so I went down the list. Like, who haven't I seen in a while? And uh, Keith Hershey, we gotta get Keith Hershey in there. Yeah. So I gave you a call or, or Facebooked you yes, or something. Yes. And thank God for Facebook. You Absolutely. don't have to have an email or anything. <laughs> just uh, send it out there, and you were kind enough to get right back to me. So we had you. We were one of the first ones we, we scheduled for this year, mm. and I've been very excited uh, because number one. You are uh, one of the ministries that we have supported for the longest time, mm. since the 80s, right? It's a, I know it's a long time. I can't remember the initiation of it, but back when I met uh, your, your your parents years and years yeah. ago. Yeah. And uh, for another one is because you have a really interesting, you know, I know the word unique is, is overused, but uh, <laughs> uh, you, you've, you've got quite a ministry. You are all over the place. Uh, I, I've always enjoyed, and, and we have not, you and I haven't had too many face-to-face No, meetings, we haven't. But I've always enjoyed, always felt this connection. And, uh, and I know that you've got this, this, uh, these centers mm-hmm. all over the world. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name some. That I remember okay. just from my, my brief research, and I know I'm not going to get them all. You've got centers <laughs> in Ghana, Nigeria, the Philippines, Costa Rica, Ivory Coast, and Lebanon. Wow, you're amazing. Right? You should be on the road <laughs> for me. That's awesome. How, cool, how, how many you, did I miss? You got them all. Did I really? Yeah, oh, you wow. Did. How about wow. that? Wow. You win the prize. Well, yeah. and Los Angeles, though, and, right? And Los Angeles, which, yeah, yeah the USA uh, Life Center. But um, no, you're exactly right. But this is part of, I think, the joy of of expressing the love of the Father because everyone, everywhere was included in Christ. God saw us in Christ at the cross, and that's what's astonishing. And so I think for missions, that's what motivates me to do the Great Commission and figure out how do we gossip this good news in a culturally effective way to connect with people so faith will rise and they'll take their accepted place in him and and believe and receive. So this, to me, is the joy of missions. That's fantastic. Here's a here's a question yeah. for you. You've got these centers, uh-huh. all these places. Tell me what these centers do. Okay. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a good question. I think in in a general sense, mutual faith, the whole concept of our mission assignment, comes from a Bible phrase in Romans chapter one verse eleven. 
Paul said, I long to see you that I might impart to you a spiritual gift. To the end, you'll be strengthened, established, and encouraged through the mutual faith, both of you and me. So in 1981, God put that phrase in my spirit, mutual faith, said, Keith, I'm going to raise you up to join your faith with other people and trigger something in the hearts of people to join their faith to impart spiritual gifts or heavenly commodities in the earthly realm. In that word, you would know as a... Uh, theologian, one who studies scripture a lot, one who understands maybe the nuance of, of language in, in Greek and Hebrew, but it's, it's, the, it's the root, the form of the word is charisma. It's, yeah. it's the gifts of grace or the finished work of Jesus or what God has done in Christ for everyone everywhere. And there's a fruit of it. It says it encourages people, it strengthens people, and it establishes people. So I find that in my uh, mission assignment, if I'm not encouraging people, if I'm not strengthening people, if I'm not establishing people, that I'm missing the mark of wow. my calling. So these sinners that we raise up in other places, they're not the same. They're de- designed based on the giftedness and the assignment of people within those countries. All of our teams are national run. They, they have national leadership. So... Um, this is part of the joy of the different campuses in the team. So in the Philippines, we have an orphanage. Uh, we have a church. We have a whole huge campus there in Beirut, Lebanon. We do a lot of work now in our campus called the Middle East Life Center with Syrian refugees. We have a school there. We have 240 kids a day, uh, wow. most of them refugees coming into the, the facility and program. And all these are Muslim families that are getting introduced to the love of the Lamb. And wow. it's a beautiful thing. And then in Africa, most of our ministry is evangelism in Bible schools. In Costa Rica, it's virtually all. All uh, Bible schools. In wow. fact, I'll be there in a couple of weeks in, in Latin America, starting a new Bible school in Panama with the Kuna people. It's a, like an unreached uh, uh, tribal community. And so we're excited about that. But all of the, the, the wow. initiatives, uh, many of them are uh, triggered from the local leadership that God's raised up f- for us. Wow. Uh I want to focus a little bit here in just a minute Uh on Lebanon. Right. Uh, And and you can probably guess why, just in the climate (laughs) we're in today. Sure. Uh, But having been to the Philippines, just a couple quick questions. Where, Mm -hmm. Where in the Philippines? What city are you in? We're in the city of General Santos City, which is the very southern most city in the island of Mindanao. So it's the very most, if you see all the Philippine islands, it's the very deepest south point of the Philippine Islands. And to make it more culturally relevant, it's the city of Manny Pacquiao, the the famous boxer. So people who are sports fans are like boxing. It's it's the Manny Pacquiao city. In fact, he owns a lot of the land around our campus. So he owns a lot of things, you know, with the kind of prize money that he's got over his (laughs) fighting career. But uh, that's where we are. All right. Yeah. Now, Lebanon. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, the reason I'm interested in that is it's, it's the Middle East. Yes. All right. Uh, Muslim community. Yes. Muslim part of the world. Uh, Beirut. Right. In Beirut. In Beirut. Right in the heart of Beirut. In the part of Beirut called Borj Hamoud, which is a very... Uh, Uh, It's in a Christian sector, you know, the way they broke up Beirut, those who remember the days of the 70s or the Civil War. Back when Beirut was the Paris of the Middle East. The Paris, you're exactly right. And it still is lovely in every way in terms of the Mediterranean and all the Arab communities. 
uh, whether from Saudi Arabia, the Gulf states, anywhere. They they come to uh, Lebanon and uh, in the heat of the summer just to be on the Mediterranean. And it's uh, a beautiful place, a beautiful space, and beautiful people. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I'd love and, to have you come there sometime with us. Oh, I wow. think you would absolutely be addicted to the food, first of all, oh, which bet. would be good for both of us. But uh, really, it's the gospel <laughs> and, and what's happening there with uh, all our, our leadership events. Uh, the, the going into the Muslim uh, refugee camps, it's it's indescribable, you mm. know, just uh, what happens right in the Bekaa Valley, right right where Syria and Lebanon meet. So this is where we work. We're planting little churches in these uh, uh, refugee tents. And these are all Muslim people wow. uh, coming to Christ. And it's it's a beautiful thing. I, I've read uh, and and seen video clips, mm-hmm. et cetera. Uh, over the past, especially over the last five years, right? Um, several accounts of Muslims who have, because of what's going on, whether they're coming from war-torn mm-hmm. uh, parts of the world or whatever, they're mm-hmm. just they're they're challenged. They are uh, they come to a crisis of faith, basically, where they cry out, and say, "God, I just want to know who you really are." Right, and then they have a dream. Isn't that amazing? Uh, is, and, and it seems to be that this is happening more and more. Have you talked I, to people who've experienced this? I, this? I have, and I'm astonished at how many people wow. will want to come up and talk to you and tell you their story. But it's always a supernatural story of yeah. a dream, of a vision. But, you know, this is very, very comforting to me. What I mean by that is sometimes we as preachers or ministers think it's all up to us, Mm. what we preach and what we say and what we do. In other words, sometimes, maybe you don't have this challenge, Pastor Scott, (laughs) but in my life, sometimes I feel like I need to fix people. I need to fix this person, that person. I need to straighten this person's thinking out or that person. And I've realized over the 35 years of mutual faith... In the five years of my mission work prior to that, I've, I've been in full-time mission ministry now since September 1979, so wow. 40 years. Wow. But here's what I've learned. The grace of God astonishes me. And when I hear stories like this of precious people who hear, <laughs> you know, yeah. have dreams and visions, and just absolutely how they're melted and faith is triggered in their lives and they believe and receive eternal life, they're born right. again, all these things. Uh, it it just gives me a comfort. It gives me a peace that God is at work sovereignly, supernaturally, and we don't yeah. need to be afraid for nobody. Yeah, that's yeah. good. God's that love for so people good. is far greater than mine. Right. On. Because yeah. sometimes I get very disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's something uh, I heard a guy say to me years ago. And this this struck me as very profound, and I'm sure you've heard it a dozen times or something like that, but I still remember the impact it made on me at the time. Uh, and this was a guy who, who I looked up to. He was a, a year ahead of me in high school, but just very, very smart, and he mm. loved the Lord. And uh, we got together after his first year of college, and he said, he said, I don't even remember the context of this statement, but when he said, it is so much more effective and important to talk to God about people than it is to talk to people about God. Now, mm. And he wasn't dismissing the importance of the, of the Great Commission, mm-hmm. and that's something we got to be really careful with. You know, mm-hmm. the, there's a statement that's been attributed to uh uh, I think uh, Augustine, mm. I'm not sure, but who uh, but, uh, preached the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. Yeah. And it's a little bit silly because yeah. we're commanded to preach the gospel. Yeah, and it, right. and it's, uh, it's, it, because it's necessary, we must use words. Yes. yes. But 
going back to that statement, talking to people about God, that what, what's still, why that still resonates with mm. me is precisely because of what you just said. God loves them more than I love them. Yes. You know, the thing that motivates me to share the gospel is not, I'm afraid I'll go to hell or disappoint God if I don't. It's because I love people and I want to see them in heaven. Mm-hmm. I want to see them enjoy the relationship with God that I've enjoyed. Absolutely. God wants that more than I do. Absolutely. And I just have to see myself as a mouthpiece, as an instrument, and make myself as available as possible. I can't own the responsibility for bringing them to Christ. Absolutely. And this, I think, is what what has moved us as a, as a ministry, as mutual faith, into the Middle East. In other words, I didn't have a big lofty plan. I've never, in our mission work, Pastor... I've never had a a five-year plan, 10-year plan, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I tell people that our mission work has been all started by interruptions. Mm. In other words, I think Jesus' ministry many times was by interruptions. He was drawn to certain people and certain things just in the moment of the day, so to speak, through the pain of people in human life. And I remember uh, in 9-11, those that can remember that far back of 2001 when those towers Mm. collapsed and there was all kinds of panic and pain and it's it's easy to get your heart mad at people or people groups or whatever but god spoke to my spirit i was preaching uh in uh shreveport louisiana uh, a couple weeks after that event the first part of october in fact and there was a verse that jumped in my spirit it's uh in isaiah 30 verse 25 there will be on every high mountain and every high hill, streams and living waters mm. in the time of a great slaughter when the towers fall. Oh. And in that day when 3,000 people died and the towers fell, the Bible says water is going to be available. So God spoke to my spirit this quick and said, Keith, I mean, just uh, as an impression in my heart, I'm going to raise you up to go to the Middle East and set up a water delivery system. Jesus is the living water. Wow. And I want you to raise up water boys. I want you to raise up people like Ananias, who can go incognito and undercover uh, and reach people like Saul. People who are religious, yet full of rage. And bring information that can become revelation and bring preservation. And so I started then what, what is called Operation Life Cell. And this was started in 2002, just a few months after the events. And uh, you know what happened? And like I say, it's an interruption. I flew to the Middle East. I went to three, four countries. I went to Lebanon, uh, Syria, Jordan, the United Arab Emirates, and Egypt, five countries. Mm. And I just wanted to meet people. I said, God, how do I do this? So I hosted a meeting. I, I, I found somebody who lived in Lebanon. I emailed them. They said, if I go there, I could sleep on their couch in their apartment, which I did. I, I had a contact. I slept on the couch, a nice, beautiful, precious, um, orthodox brother, you know. And then I hosted a meeting in the Bible Society building to share Operation Life Cell and see if God would give me somebody. There were 10 or 12 people there. Uh, everybody sat there kind of bored with this American, you know, and I was pretty young. And, and uh, so I just shared what was in my heart to do. There was one guy who was excited like a little kid. And his name was uh, Saeed, Saeed D. And the next day, Saeed wanted to meet with me. So I spent some time with Saeed. And uh, he took me. He said, I got to introduce you to my father-in-law, who's the head of the Bible Society. So he took me up in the hills of Beirut. And uh, I went this like in this back little garden area of this little house, whatever it was, like a 
apartment. I can't remember exactly what it was. And, and, uh, this uh, distinguished gentleman, you know, graying hair and, you know, 65, 70 years old, he, he shakes my hand and uh, he looks at me. He said, I know you. I said, no, sir. He said, no, I've seen you before. I said, no, sir. He said, have you ever been to Lebanon before? I said, never. This is my first time. He said, I know you. He said, have you ever worked in the Middle East? I said, well, before I started Mutual Faith Ministries in 1984, I was here in 1983 coordinating a conference for Mediterranean Christian leaders, Arab and Jewish leaders, and I organized it with my wife, Heidi, on a Greek island called Egana. He said, I was at that conference. He said, just a couple weeks ago, I was looking through old pictures with my wife, and we have a picture with you. So think about that. From nineteen, wow. from nineteen eighty, nineteen eighty three to two thousand, let's say two, nineteen years later, a seed I had sown relationally, wow, came up nineteen years later. And his son-in-law is the director of the whole life center. Wow, and the way everything goes. So cool. Isn't that, isn't that Amazing. awesome? Yeah. So I just uh, Almost love... makes you think God knows what he's doing or something, that, right? But isn't that comforting? Yeah. You know, that we don't have to figure it out, that the Lord gives us Boy, favor. No kidding. You know, and the open door. Wow. And that's that's even to this day is the only thing I'm, I have confidence in, really. Wow. Jesus, you be everything. Yeah. You be everything. And Praise he is. He is. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So let, let's go back. You, you, you mentioned something that, that, that brings up another question in my mind. Uh-huh. When you go to another country, is it, obviously we know God is orchestrating these things, right. but does it start with a connection with an individual, or is it just, man, I've got a burden for this country, I'm going to go over there and see who I meet? Uh, t- tell me a little bit about the nuts and bolts of this. Thing. Yeah, in different in different uh, ways over these years, it's it's unfolded in different ways. Yeah. What, what what I mean by that is our first campus and team was in Liberia, in Monrovia, Liberia, and uh, I worked with an organization, an African organization, from 1979 to 1984. Before we started Mutual Faith in 1984, my wife Heidi and I were married. We went to Rama. I met Heidi at Rama, and I went one year, and then we got married, and, and uh, we moved overseas right away. So our first year of marriage, we lived together overseas, traveling in different places, working in the Middle East, working in Africa. Okay, stop right there for yeah. a second. Where'd you go? Why'd you go? What's your background? How, what were you? Uh, how long have you been a believer? Were you raised a Christian? Did you... Yeah, I, I I was raised in a Baptist church okay. uh, in Michigan in a very small town. The town I lived in had a blinking light. Uh, there was about a thousand people in the town. I lived five miles outside of town in an old farmhouse. My father's a bricklayer. I'm one of five kids. I raised pigs as a, as a child. I thought I'd be a pig farmer. And then my parents were divorced when I was 16. And so my mom became nomadic. And so I moved. I was in like three, four different schools the next two years. And so, um, I ended up in South Georgia, graduated from high school. My first year of college, I went to in, in Tennessee, uh, Bryan College, in, in uh, right outside of Chattanooga. Uh, and then my mom had moved to California, and she said, if you come to California and become a resident here, you can go to junior college free. And, of course, I was broke, didn't have any money. So I went out there, and I went to junior college, and then I uh, finished at Azusa Pacific, so which is a Christian private school in, in California. So that was 1979 when I graduated. But 
it was in that 1979, I began to hear preachers on television. I heard a guy named Fred Price, actually. And so Fred Price, I became listening to him, and he's talking about who you are in Christ and living by faith and all these things. And then I heard of of Brother Hagin and Raymond, different things, other people. So my heart just got uh, uh, captivated with the the love of God, who I was in Christ, the gift of righteousness. And so... um, um, I began to, um, you know, prepare, you know, in, and I went to Raymond in 1981. But in 1979, after I finished uh, Azusa Pacific University, I started work in September with an African organization in Pasadena, California, called Africa Enterprise. And that's where I learned. I worked with Bishop Festa Kavindri of Uganda. He was uh, the bishop that fled under the reign of Idi Amin after Idi Amin uh. killed the archbishop. Bishop Festo was going to be killed. So I carried his bags and learned. I I did a lot of church relations for them. And then after working for them, they came to me and said, Keith, would you go uh, and live in Africa? When when I got married, they said, would you just go take this assignment and coordinate this Mediterranean Christian Leadership Assembly? And I was a young kid. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing, and somehow— God made the thing work, you wow. know. But that's how I got immersed in it. Gotcha. And then when Heidi and I came back to America, um, you know, we, we bought an old car for $3,600. And I drove around America for six months. And I said, God, I'm going to... I would stop in towns, uh, just driving. Stop. That's back in the days when they had phone booths. Yeah. I would stop at a phone <laughs> booth and get the yellow pages. Yeah. And go through the churches and call anything that looked like a faith church or a charismatic church right. and ask about, hey, I'm so-and-so, I'm just in town, can I stop by just for five minutes and say hi? That's how I started the ministry. Wow. So it's wow. crazy when you think about it. You know, yeah. if I had to do that again, I, I don't know if I have the grace or faith or courage to do that. But, you know, that's, that's, how, it, that's how it all started. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I was at a little bit earlier. I was listening as you and Dad were reminiscing. Yes. You told me a little about some uh some of your other faith adventures. And, oh my. Uh, uh the things that uh that God calls you to do, you know, he doesn't call you to do anything that you don't have the, that he hasn't given you the faith for. Boy, I tell you, he's, you you're exactly right. right. He's, 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 he's the author and finish of all of it. Yeah. Faith. So it's not like we pat ourselves on the back. He loads us up. And yeah. I think beholding the lamb is the way we glean the faith of God. We look unto Jesus yeah. and we receive everything the father says he is. Right. And, uh, Jesus is the living word as as, uh, as we all know and understand. And I think it's beautiful, but like <clears throat> that thing in Lebanon, which started then with that assignment out of, uh, you know, uh, raising up people like an Ananias to go incognito and undercover, Operation Life Cell, Life Cells in the Middle East. It was like odd, but this is how we got started. And then we, for years, I'd rented a, like a four bedroom apartment, which was our office. And then this huge campus opens up for a million dollars. And so I would go, I mean, the sanctuary seats 700 people. It's got all these classrooms. It's it's four levels. It's got a four-bedroom apartment attached to it. It's got a cafeteria. It's got, it's it's like, it's like unbelievable. <laughs> and it, it had been bombed in the war. I have video footage where a bomb had been blown through the, the ceiling of this place, you know, wow. in the history of the building. And so it became available for a million dollars. So I would fly back and forth to Lebanon. And I'd meet in rooms with their people and their lawyers, and it'd be me and my team leader there and uh, a lawyer who was on our board there. 
And I would just act like I had money. So they say, it's a million dollars. And I say, okay, we can do this, that, and the other. And and um, I made a deal with them that uh, I would I would do do this and pay over, you know, that I'd have all this uh, cash for the thing. And I'll never forget, they never once, to make the deal, I, we signed all the documents, they never once asked for a financial statement. They never once verified a bank account that I had anything. <laughs> It, it, it's unbelievable wow, wow. to me, but it's like God blinded them yeah. to my weakness, <laughs> and, and He showed my strength. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And so I, I came back. I flew back uh, to the states, and I'm sitting in the back of the plane where I usually find myself, and I think to myself, "How in the world <laughs> are we going to do this?" And now you look at it today, because that was in 2009 we bought this. Wow. So it's been 10 years, and to see the beauty of what God has done in Christ through the people there it just is thrilling yeah. and but but again it's it's just something that uh jesus uh receives all praise he he's he's doing a great work in 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 beautiful people beautiful beautiful yeah. people you know and this is what our culture doesn't understand you know zach and scott you guys would know maybe even in this region of champagne urbana and, and maybe multiculturalism all across america but we see for example we'll look at people from other cultures in their religious um you know the way they dress religiously whether it's a right. muslim right. or a hindu or what, whatever people's faiths are and you know praise the lord for for whatever but you go to the life center in beirut lebanon and uh you see muslim ladies as greeters so they're all dressed in their Muslim. And so if you're just knowing people according to the flesh, you say, there's no way these people are saved. But <laughs> but these people, you know, like I always tell people, you know, you're not supposed to touch a Muslim woman. Right. So I always just hold my hands together and say, hey, you know, nod my head. Oh, God bless you. Nice to meet you. I'm so glad uh, to have this time or whatever, you know, whatever you say to people. But this this Muslim lady, she grabs me. She grabs me. She says, I'm so glad that God, you know, brought you here and got the life center. We're refugees from Syria. We met Jesus here. Our lives are changed. And then she starts praying in in tongues. She starts praying in the spirit. So these people are radically saved, radically transformed, being discipled, yet they'll still dress culturally right yeah you understand yeah and and it's hard to understand in our culture how can that be right but we have to trust the grace of god in all this that's right because i don't know how else to even move forward without just giving there a a place a space for nothing but grace right you know what i mean yeah and that's enough for me yes and so it's uh it's beautiful that's so helpful to (laughs) helpful to hear that because uh you know, for, uh, for, I started to say for better, for worse, obviously, obviously it's for worse. Mm-hmm. We live in such a polarized climate here, politically oh, yes. speaking where, uh, and, and I'm not, you know, I've made my political views relatively clear on other episodes of this podcast, but I'm not, not advocating for one side or the other when I mm-hmm. say this, because both sides are terribly guilty, mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in different ways, maybe. But one, one of the dangers is, is just the inflaming the hatred and inflaming and fanning the flames of distrust based on the most ridiculous reasons. And one of them would be that let's just look at the hat that person's wearing or the face covering or the dress or this, that the church can be just as guilty. Totally. Um, you know, when we talk about 
different and, and and don't get me wrong i yeah. understand the bible has some things to say about modesty and sure. about and about certain things but come on if we're going to to you know look askance at somebody because you know a new believer or somebody who comes who's not yet a believer right. who's dressed a certain way or wearing certain thing are we going to immediately dismiss this person right i heard a uh, i don't know if i shared it on this podcast or not but i know i did fairly recently in conversation with matt and i think he might have been a part of that conversation this was just it had nothing to do with somebody wearing religious garb this was a kid who came to uh, a church that i'll leave unnamed uh, but this, these are both people that I know. Okay. And, uh, this young man, uh, started attending in high school, came for quite a while mm-hmm. and, um, somebody, but, but he dressed a little bit, mm-hmm. oh, what would you call it? You know, he'd, he'd Different. wear a t-shirt with a skull on yeah. it or something like that. You know, he just came from a, and, yeah. and I knew this kid, I knew he, what his background was and everything. And, and a, uh, a lady who, uh, a great gal, mm-hmm. a helpful pillar of the church, mm-hmm. said something one time like, I'm so glad that guy doesn't come here anymore. Mm. Why? Yeah. Well, because he made you uncomfortable because he didn't dress like you thought he should, you know, and yeah. he barely there long enough to, to, to be transformed if that's what it was about. But yeah. I mean, why would you ever, it's not like he was there hurting anything didn't dress like the way you thought he should dress. And, and, and that breaks my heart to hear people talk like that. And yeah. And uh, I think I, you're exactly right because the challenge I think we as believers have is, you know, there's a verse in, in second Corinthians five, it says we're no longer to know anyone according to the flesh. Right. And then it says not even Christ. Mm. And so I think mm. that the challenge is for believers is not to know yourself according to the flesh. I tell people, if you want to live eternally disappointed, Know yourself according to the flesh. You'll always nitpick yourself to pieces. You have to know yourself according to the cross. You have to know yourself according to Christ. You are in him. You're covered completely. You're you're, uh, absolutely blessed uh, beyond measure. But that's the way we have to see others. Otherwise, if we're just going to see other people according to flesh or fleshly things like what they wear or what religious school of thinking they come from, whatever it is, or their cultural distinctions... We are we are not going to uh, understand the beauty of what God's doing yeah. in them even now uh, in, in our midst yeah. in, in a way where we can help shape their lives and shape right. their thinking. And everybody doesn't sign up for this stuff right away. You know? Right, sure. It takes the love of God sometimes just uh, working in subtle and beautiful ways. Yeah. So, um, but I, I, I love that. I tell everybody it's chaos with what we're doing. I mean, if, if you're coming to look for an orderly system of just beauty, <laughs> you're not going to see that according to the flesh. It's a mess, you right. know, but it's a beautiful, beautiful mess, mess because I you see the grace of God <laughs> working yeah. in, in, in problems that are absolutely yeah. overwhelming. I made a statement um, not too long ago, and I don't know if it was Wednesday night or a Sunday morning, but the um, we all know we're saved. All, everybody who's saved knows they had to come to Christ through yeah. the cross. You know, this is this is the only way. It's not by works. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I think people who lived good lives, mm-hmm. who have lived good lives, sometimes can struggle more than people who have blown it. Yes. With the concept that their righteousness rests solely in the finished work of God. <laughs> You're exactly and, right. And now, I'm not thanking God for the places I've blown it. Yeah. Yet, on the other hand, 
I know me. I know what I'm oh. capable of because of the decisions I've made oh, and the my. places I've blown. And I'm so grateful oh. that it's not up to me. And I think me personally, just yeah. knowing my personality, had I not blown it, I wonder just what a hypocrite I would be. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Does but that I make think, sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think most people, when you really have a heart-to-heart, just conversation with people, yeah. they deeply know deep down. Yeah. That that there's brokenness that uh, is disguised in all of our lives mm. in some way, and that's why I try to when I preach and speak, I I, I try to be very uh, vulnerable, which makes some people uncomfortable. But see, it goes back to what you're saying that righteousness is gift. Yes. Righteousness has nothing to do with merit, and and this is astonishing. But it's 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 the display of the love of God. So Paul the apostle he said, listen, I have a great resume. And I can list how wonderful I am and who I've studied with and what I know. But I says, I really count it all a pile of nonsense because I just want to be found in him. And the only way you can be found in him and not know yourself according to yourself, found in him is by faith. Mm -hmm. And you have to believe that your righteousness has nothing to do with you ever. That it's gift-based. Right. And to me, that's the joy of the gospel. That's the joy of preaching. That's the joy of announcing to anybody anywhere that you don't have to qualify for nothing. Right. You've been yeah. pre-approved. Right. And you've been pre-approved <laughs> through the work of another. I love it. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That is yeah. so good. Yeah, that's good. So good. So it's good news. It's all good news. Praise the Lord. Oh, Lord, man, thanks for being here with us. We could carry this on, I'm sure, for hours, but uh, nobody listens to a podcast that's two hours long. Yeah. Uh, and I'm so glad you're going to be here tomorrow. Thank you. And, uh, man, just just praise God. I know that you are a busy man, and, mm. and, and so you're traveling all the time. So just thanks for taking the time to be here this weekend and, and taking the extra time to be here with us. Well, thank you. Five, this uh, this podcast, is a treat so. for me. I want to thank you, and I, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I feel so refreshed just being here um, in St. Joseph again, being with the saints tomorrow, seeing the the saints uh, worshiping together. I'm refreshed. There's a, there's a great, great excitement in my heart. And I'm just honored that you, your congregation, the beautiful believers who are faithful in their giving to the local church, that uh, the, the teams of mutual faith can be an expression of your love and life in the nations of the world. So thanks so much for that. Right on. Right on. So glad you're here. Awesome. Zach, thank you for coming in no on problem. what is not a normal day here. <laughs> Zach is one of the most faithful guys, and you don't you dare edit this out of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> he's got Mondays off, so he's yeah. here on Mondays. or uh, no, Tuesdays. Sorry, Tuesdays, Tuesdays off. He's here on Tuesdays. That's when we normally do cool. the podcast, and he'll hang out here all doing all sorts of things. I called him and said, man, would you? Actually, we were talking about yeah. it on the last podcast. Do you yeah. think we might be able to squeeze one in? So oh, yeah. I get off work at 5, I'll come straight there. Yeah. Like, and you know what God I like about you, Zach, just in the little Zach that I've known you here by greeting you a few minutes before this podcast, is I love uh, your demeanor. I, I can sense your giftedness, your heart. But this is one thing, Pastor Scott, that, that I'm, I'm excited about. Now, in this season of my life, yeah. I'm now 61. And so I think, my goodness, you know, I've been doing mutual faith 35 years. But last month when I was in Lebanon, I had five young people. I had a 19-year-old, I had a 20-year-old, I had a 26-year-old, I had a 25-year-old, uh, I can't remember all the ages, but it's all young people, yeah. guys and gals, who need to have their hearts radically stirred 
with mm. the love of the Lamb in a cross-cultural environment for missions. And so I'm very excited now in this season of my life to work with the young people. And that's what I sense in you. I love the grace of God in your life with your heart uh, for ministry, for the local church, and what you're doing. So thanks for uh, Lord, making it work for well, me. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, Keith, real quick before we go, where can someone listening, where can they find out more about your guys' ministry? Where can they go online or anything like that? Yeah, well, there's a couple things. They can go online to mutualfaith.org uh, to our website, which has a little bit of information there. Also, I have a fan page, a Keith Hershey fan page. <laughs> Where because my personal page is full, right. Facebook only lets you have five thousand gotcha. people. So uh, there's a fan page where they can follow things, um, and then there's a, a mutual faith website, or I, I'm sorry, mutual faith Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter account, awesome. and we post uh, little uh, things and stories. And I do a little thing called "Be Loved Today." Uh, it's one minute every week uh, on a Tuesday because I want people to be shocked for a moment. I said not, that's a Facebook Live thing, yeah, right? Yeah, I've yeah, seen that. Yeah, yeah. Where good. we just want people to understand how to be loved uh, because that's the trigger in everything of loving God himself and loving others too is learning how to be loved. And I think that's the greatest assignment for a believer is just being loved by the Father. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, that about wraps it up, I think. Thanks, uh, guys, for joining us today. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe so you can get notified about future episodes, future guests. Hopefully one day we'll have Keith Hershey back on the podcast. That would be awesome. Part two. Let's call that a done deal. There we go. Right? (laughs) Uh, Make sure to leave us a review. Send any questions you have to podcast at livingwordfamily.org. Check out Keith Hershey's ministries on all their socials and website. And thanks again, guys, for joining us today on this episode of the Living Word Family Church podcast. See ya.